0: Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Episode 7, More Than Just Friends, Love Letter at the Rock Festival. Welcome back, friends. Today I will continue with my story, which took place in the city of West Berlin. In the midst of the difficult circumstances that my sister and I were experiencing, Thomas and I were becoming friends. We were just taking one day at a time, visiting my sister in the clinic every day, and then going off on long walks before returning to his home. We felt relaxed in each other's company, and especially for me, this was a new experience. I had always felt shy around the boys that I knew in California, and usually found out pretty quick that we didn't have the same values or interests. To me, the high school boys seemed very superficial. With Thomas, it was different. We had been brought together because of the dramatic things that had happened in the past couple of weeks. We were caught up in a challenging time, to say the least. After my sister's cast was taken off of her foot, she was released from the clinic. The doctor said she should be careful walking and that it would be good to wait a few more days before traveling again. Thomas and I picked her up at the clinic to help carry her backpack to his home. If I remember right, Thomas's brother Michael offered to stay with a friend so that Teresa could sleep in his bedroom. So now we were both living in a German apartment in Lichtefelde and getting to know the Van Doren family. By that time, Thomas and I had been having lots of opportunities to exchange our life stories. Probably the only thing we had in common was a love of music, even though our background in music was different. I told him that I grew up taking accordion lessons as that was the popular instrument in the late 50s. My family watched the Lawrence Welk TV show every week that featured him playing his accordion as the leader of his band. I am sure my music teachers followed his example by teaching us students polkas, waltzes, and boogie tunes. I had to compete in all the local accordion contests with the other young students, so I did a lot of practicing. But when the Beatles became popular in the early 60s, playing the accordion was way too old-fashioned. I started learning the acoustic guitar, but I wasn't so motivated anymore to keep up with music lessons. Thomas told me about his father, Edward, who had studied music before the wars started, but then was called into the army. Later, after being released from a Russian prison camp at the end of the war, he got a job as a composer and arranger at the famous Friedrichstadtpalast in East Berlin. He played the piano, his mother was also a concert pianist, and his love and talent for music he passed on to his sons. Thomas started taking trumpet lessons when he was young, and by the time he was a teenager, he was already playing in a dance band called the X-Rays. He also had learned some piano from his father. Like myself, he became interested in the popular hippie music that culminated in the Summer of Love in 1967. I suppose that is when he started playing guitar and learning folk songs. Since I was sleeping on the couch in Thomas' room, we would end up talking about personal things late into the night. He told me that his parents had divorced when he was very young and that he had missed not having his dad around. But then years later, his father unfortunately had a stroke, and as a result, they remarried so he could live with the family. But during those years, when his father was gone, he not only had trouble in school, but also at home with his older brother. He also said that he was suspended from school for bad grades because he was under the influence of hash. One day, a fight escalated with his brother, and he grabbed a fork and threatened to hurt him. In his mind, he felt that he was unfairly treated when his mother went so far as to make the decision to send him away for a few months. He had to live in a home for hard-to-handle children. He told me that a few times he went back to their family's apartment after school, hoping at least to see his Omi, but she wasn't there. He admitted to me that it was a lonely and scary time for him as a young boy, being separated from his family. He must have felt very safe with me to be so vulnerable by telling me this story. Then another night, he told me something even worse, that he tried to kill himself by cutting his wrist because he didn't have any hope or reason for living. I can't remember the details of that incident as he told it, but it must not have been too serious." His perspective on life was that everything was meaningless. He didn't have love or respect for anyone. He had grown up with too many disappointments and didn't see any positive future for himself. He sure wasn't prepared for my reaction when I started to cry after hearing his sad story. I guess by that time, both of us were feeling pretty vulnerable with each other. I had never cried in front of anyone before. The only thing that I could think of to tell him was that he needed to know that his life was of value and that God must have a purpose for him because he had protected him so far. He said he didn't believe in God or eternal life. His motto was that life is for getting what you want now and there are no consequences when it is over. I had grown up with the surety that God was my heavenly father and that it was important to try to follow his commandments and that heaven was a real place to look forward to. Actually, I was surprised that he hadn't learned anything about God from his mom or grandmother since they were into Eastern religion practices like yoga and meditation and astrology. I also didn't realize at that time that he had grown up influenced by his parents' generation who had all lived through the horrors of the war in Germany. Their city and their lives had been devastated and they were just trying to get on with life by concentrating on their jobs, which would gradually build the country up again. Most people had lost whatever faith they had because of all the evil and disillusionment they had gone through. Even at that time, Thomas was growing up in the walled city of West Berlin. Since international armies were stationed there, the results of the war were ever present. There was no way that I could relate to his upbringing and the emptiness that he described. I grew up in sunny California. My father and uncles had not been to war. We had a happy, stable family with the Christian faith as our foundation. I never had to deal with any type of rejection or major disappointments in my childhood. One day, Thomas said, "'Let's go. I want to show you a beautiful place.' So we took the S-Bahn to the Grunewald Forest and Park area. There were rolling green hills with pathways lined by hundred-year-old oak trees." As we walked hand in hand, enjoying the beauty of nature and just being together, we felt like we were alone there. We were oblivious to the world around us until it started to rain and we realized that the other people began leaving the park. We were the only ones who stayed. We spontaneously headed for the protection of a gigantic tree. We sat down under it and Thomas pulled me in close as he wrapped his jacket around both of us. We didn't mind the rain because there was nowhere else we wanted to be. We were falling in love and had no idea what tomorrow would bring. It was like a beautiful moment that you would see in a movie, hard to describe in words. We both tried not to think about the fact that we would have to say goodbye soon. The day before Teresa and I would be leaving to fly back to England, I wanted to do something special for his family. I asked Omi to help me make a chocolate cake with the help of a German package mix. Nadia, his mother, had a pretty set of glass teacups that I set out on a flowered shawl that I had bought in London. We enjoyed our tea and cake afternoon with Teresa, and that evening, Thomas told me that he was really touched that I had prepared this for him. Before going to bed, he placed in my hands a necklace with an Egyptian coin hanging on it. He said that it was given to him when he visited his Egyptian grandfather in Cairo. He had traveled there with his mother when he was a young boy. Our last day arrived, and this time we would have to say goodbye. We had spent three very intense weeks together. We tried to pretend that it wasn't such a big deal until I started crying. Thomas put his arms around me and tried to comfort me by saying, not to worry, we will probably see each other again sometime. I should have been embarrassed to be crying, but at that point I was so overwhelmed and sad to think that I would never see Thomas again. The possibility of a future for us together seemed impossible. With very mixed emotions, I boarded the plane the next day with my sister out of West Berlin to London, My sister was relieved to get on with life, finish our travels in England, and then get back to high school in California. But for me, everything had changed. Even the photography school of my dreams didn't seem important anymore. On arriving back in London, we headed to our familiar bed and breakfast location where our Europe trip had begun. Now we would be getting back to our travel plans for the upcoming music festival that started on August 26th. We went on the train to the city where you could take a ferry to the Isle of Wight. Getting off of the ferry, we followed the crowd, who seemed to know where they were going, which was quite a long walk to the festival grounds that was on a farmland called Afton Down. Fortunately, my sister's foot was strong again, so she did okay tromping through the fields, at the same time carrying a heavy backpack. There were literally thousands of people all prepared to camp out there for three days. I don't even remember if we had sleeping bags with us for the event. Everyone was happy that the weather offered some sunshine for the weekend, which was now being compared to Woodstock, with most of the same famous musicians arriving there. The lineup included Jimi Hendrix, Miles Davis, Jethro Tull, Ten Years After, Chicago, The Doors, The Who?, Moody Blues, Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell, Leonard Cohen, Donovan, and many more. And by the way, we had already seen almost all of them in San Francisco. Though we had looked forward to this huge event once it was underway, my sister and I didn't find it all that exciting because it was impossible to get close to the stage. We couldn't see the performances of the bands like The Who and Jimi Hendrix. Maybe we were just tired by then because of all that we had been through in Berlin. Sitting on the grass, surrounded by thousands of hippies and rock music blasting over the loudspeakers, I decided to write Thomas a letter. I pulled out of my backpack the little letter and envelope package I had brought for our trip. I was going to be brave and take a risk by writing Thomas about my feelings for him. I remember that it was pretty emotional for me to actually write down the words, I love you. I continued by saying that I would like to return to Berlin and ask him what he thought about that idea. There is no way I could even be sure that he would receive my letter before our flight back home, and if he got it, would he write back to me in time? I told him that I would try to find a job there and look for a small apartment. I gave him the address of our housing in London and hoped that he would reply. As soon as Teresa and I left the festival and got back to the town where the fairies were waiting, I hurried into a little post office and sent it off to Berlin. To my amazement, a letter from West Berlin arrived within a couple of days. I was so anxious but nervous to open it. At the top of the page, he wrote my name, followed by a big explanation point, and then said, thank you for the nice letter. He proceeded by saying that he was sorry if his English wasn't so perfect, but hoped that I would understand it. He wrote that since the day he came home to find my letter, he couldn't stop thinking of me. It was so romantic how he described himself, watching the red sun going down from his window and thinking about when we first met at Dr. Knock and then at Peter's home for breakfast. Then he said that when we met with Peter and friends at the go-in club, he realized that he was interested in getting to know me. That night, when we went walking along the Kudam and talking about our lives, he said he experienced that I was the first person that understood and accepted him. He said it was as a sign of how life could be easy and nice. In his letter, he said, he tried to put all of his feelings into music by composing on the piano a melody. He titled it The Christine Suite. He said he recorded it on his father's reel-to-reel tape machine. He also wrote that he was angry with himself for not telling me how in love and glad he felt being with me. He said the reason that he only said goodbye and maybe we'll meet again someday was because he wanted to accept my life and my plans. He wrote that if I'm asking him now if I should come back to Berlin, he said, yes, please come back, and if I do, come back in a few days. It will be nice again. He added a little warning that he hoped that my decision would not be totally dependent on him because he said he tried before having a girlfriend, but after a few months, the relationship didn't work out. He wrote that he would feel bad for me if I came expecting that nothing would ever change between us. He also mentioned that it might be hard for me to find work in Berlin not knowing the language. His letter was so much longer and descriptive than what I had written. It was a different side of him than what I knew so far. It was way more than what I had expected. But the main thing was, he said he loved me and wanted me to return. I excitedly shared the news with my sister, which meant I was going back to West Berlin. She must have thought I was crazy, and for sure she couldn't relate to why I was so enamored by this German teenage boy. My sister and I had very different experiences in those three weeks in Berlin, to say the least. I knew my parents would be very upset with this change of plans, but after my time in Berlin, this seemed to me a logical next step. After all, Thomas and I had known each other for almost three weeks. I immediately wrote them a letter explaining my decision that I would not be returning with Teresa to California. I think I asked them to cancel my registration at the photography college and assured them I would find a job and a place to live in Berlin looking back it is obvious that this was probably an immature plan but i was 19 and very naive i assumed they would get my letter before our return flight to san francisco i don't think that i considered calling them it would have been a better way of communicating at that point but maybe i was afraid to tell my dad that i would not be following up on my college plans our wonderful europe trip came to a close at the beginning of september and it was time to say goodbye to my sister at the London airport. In 15 hours, my parents would be waiting at the San Francisco airport to pick both of us up. I can only imagine how shocked my mom and dad must have been on seeing Teresa arrive alone, especially after all the stress they had gone through about my sister's accident and now this, their oldest daughter wasn't coming home. They probably regretted ever letting us go to Europe. I, on the other hand, had the Beatles song in my head, All You Need Is Love. I could not wait to get back to West Berlin and my new German boyfriend. Tune in next week to hear what happened next. Bye for now.